Have you heard of the butterfly effect? It's a scientific theory that emerged in the 70s that's found its way into popular culture. It's the idea that a minor change in circumstances can cause a major change in outcome. Or to put it more vividly, if a butterfly flaps its wings in Brazil, it might just set off a tornado in Texas. A scientist named Edward Lorenz stumbled upon the idea when he was running a computer program designed to predict weather patterns. As a shortcut, he, he rounded up a number by one thousandth of a decimal point. He set the program running and went down the hall for a cup of coffee. When he came back an hour later, the program had simulated two months of weather entirely different from what would have been expected had he entered the fractionally more precise number. The change in outcome was so dramatic, Lorenz thought the computer was broken. But every time he re-ran the simulation, he found that even a tiny alteration to one variable over time could lead to a radically different outcome. Uh, so the metaphor that Lorenz eventually settled on to communicate the idea was that the flap of a butterfly's wings in one part of the world might create tiny changes in the atmosphere that could accelerate or prevent or tornado in another part of the world. And the metaphor caught on in popular culture, even to the point of inspiring a neither good nor beautiful Ashton Kutcher movie back in the 2000s. So that phrase, the butterfly effect, suggests that small, seemingly insignificant events can have a ripple effect that cause much larger and more significant things to happen. But whatever you may think of the science behind that idea, today we're going to discover that there really is a butterfly effect at work when it comes to blessing people. This spring, we're reminding ourselves of five simple practices that can lead to a good and beautiful life that blesses the world around us. And without, without knowing exactly where we were going with this series, our creative artists chose the image of a butterfly to represent the good and beautiful life. I love when that happens. Well, so far we've learned that a beautiful life begins with prayer, as we invite God into our days and our relationships. Then we listen with care, paying attention to the people and needs around us. Now, we're actually going to lean into those first two practices this coming Thursday evening. Our Watertown campus is going to host an evening of listening and prayer around the mass shootings that have taken place over the past couple of weeks. Many of us have thoughts and feelings and questions that that need to be put into words and, and heard by people who care. So we're not going to try to solve any of those problems or questions. We're just going to listen to each other and then bring them before God in prayer. So that happens this Thursday evening, 7 p.m., in person only at the Watertown campus. Well, then last Sunday, we learned about the power of eating with others deepening relationships, communicating dignity and respect simply by gathering around a table together. 
Now, that has to be one of the easiest sermons ever to put into practice. Well, well, today we're going to talk about serving in love. And we're going to be discovering how simple acts of kindness can have an outsized impact on the world around us. Now, if, if you've been discouraged by the state of the nation and the world these days, if you've ever, ever wondered if your acts of service can, can make a difference, if you've ever questioned whether the church is really good for the world, you're going to love this message. Now, once again, we're going to look briefly at two passages, one from the Gospels, where we'll focus on Jesus, and the other from the early church, where we're going to meet an ordinary woman who had a remarkable impact on the world around her. So let's begin with a familiar story from the life of Christ. It's found in the Gospel of John, chapter 13. I'll begin at verse 1. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. So here we are on Jesus' final night with the disciples before going to the cross, gathered around the dinner table where, where they're about to have their last supper together. But before they share the meal, Jesus has something very important to tell them, or, or to show them more accurately. Now, remember now, this is a big moment. It's Jesus' last chance to prepare his disciples for what's to come. So you have to believe that he has something pretty important, pretty powerful that he wants to share with them. And notice, too, that, that this thing he's about to show them is inspired by love. Love for them and love for the world. Continuing at verse 2. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Now notice two things here. First, the meal is already in progress. But nobody has done the thing that was usually done before a meal where people are reclining on the floor next to each other. Nobody has washed their dusty, dirty feet. And the fact that this was undone should have been as embarrassing for the disciples as, as having the pastor over for dinner and then forgetting to pray before the meal. And the second thing to notice is that, is that Jesus knew who he was and why he was here. He knew the Father had given him power, and he knew that he had a mission to fulfill. So we'll, we'll come back to that in a minute. Let's keep reading. So he got up from the meal took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. So, knowing who he was and why he came, he got up and did the lowliest and least pleasant thing he could possibly have done. He personally washed and dried each of the disciples' feet. Now think about it. He, he's the most powerful person in the room. 
And he does the least powerful thing imaginable, the thing no one else wanted to do. Even the servants working the room hadn't bothered to do it. Let's skip ahead down down to verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Well, think of all the powerful things that Jesus has said and done in his three years with the disciples. The miracles, the healings, the exorcisms, the sermons. And on his final night, the thing he wants them to remember and imitate is a humble act of service. An act as beautiful and inconsequential as the flap of a butterfly's wings. And yet that simple act would set in motion the most consequential turn of events in human history, the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ, which would in turn release the spiritual tornado we call Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit to empower the church. A tornado that that in the years to come would sweep across the Roman Empire and change the course of human history. And you and I are part of that tornado. That same wind blows through our spirits and our church in a way that enables us to bless the world as we serve in love. And that service begins for us as it did for Jesus with knowing who you are and why you are here. It begins with knowing that you are a human being made in the image of God to reflect the beauty and goodness of God in a way that only you can. I read on the internet that no two butterflies are alike. Now, whether that's actually true or not, I don't know. But it is true that no two human beings are alike. You were put on this earth to uniquely reflect God's image and serve God's purposes. And he's given you talents and passions and a story unlike anyone else's. And he wants you to use all of it to serve the world with love. And if you've become a child of God through faith in Christ, it gets even better than that because it means you have been powered by the Spirit of God the same spirit that blew through that upper room and empowered those first disciples. He's given you a unique set of gifts, spiritual gifts, we call them, for serving the church and the world. When you put all this together, it means that you have been placed on this earth to bless the world, to serve the world in a way that no other human being can. Well, helping you discover and live out that unique calling is going to be a focus of ours here at Grace as we we look to the future. We've declared equipping 
to be one of our strategic priorities for the year to come. And we've defined it as inspiring, training, and mobilizing every Grace Chapel person to serve the church and the world in Jesus' name. Now, in the months to come, we're going to be pointing you toward an online tool called the Spiritual GPS. GPS stands for Gifts, Passions, and Story. In the same way that the GPS on your phone tells you where you are and where you're going, this spiritual GPS helps you identify who you are and how you can serve the world. Your gifts include your, your, your natural talents and abilities, uh, like singing or organizing or working with your hands, as well as your spiritual gifts, like mercy or teaching or leading. Your passions include the people and causes that you care about deeply. And your story includes all of the life experiences, good and bad, that have shaped you and your faith. Now, we'll talk more about all of this in the fall, but if you want to get a jump on figuring all this out, you can find that GPS assessment tool online at giftspassionstory.com. But, but understand that when we talk about serving, we're not just talking about your volunteer work in the church or the community. It certainly includes that. But it also includes your vocation, your job, the skills, the knowledge, the training that you bring to the workplace. Jesus wasn't bashful about identifying himself as teacher and Lord because that's who and what he was. And we don't need to be bashful about our roles and responsibilities in the world. And while none of us can claim the role of Lord, some of us are teachers. Others are doctors or landscapers or lawyers or engineers or electricians or, or executives or social workers or caregivers or marketers or first responders. Serving in love means using those skills, those platforms, that influence to bless the world by contributing to the common good, to the flourishing of all people everywhere. I mean, think about how different your daily work would feel that wasn't just about doing a job or earning a paycheck, but was about blessing the people and the world around you. So, so that's the breeze that Jesus set in motion with that single flap of the wings around a dinner table, a simple act of serving in love. And as we said, in the days to come, that breeze would gain strength and become a hurricane of love and service that would sweep through Judea and Samaria and eventually to the uttermost parts of the earth. So let's jump ahead to the book of Acts, which tells the story of the early church. Uh, where we're going to meet a, an unassuming woman who, who was a butterfly in every sense of that word. Her name is Tabitha, and her story is found in Acts chapter 9. I'll pick it up at verse 36. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. Now, Joppa was a town on the Mediterranean coast. It's known today as Jaffa, just outside of Tel Aviv. 
Biblically speaking, it wasn't really a significant city. The only thing uh, Joppa is famous for in the Bible is that it's the town where Jonah caught a ship and tried to run away from God. But you know what the name Joppa means in Hebrew? Beautiful. <laughs> I love when that happens. And it turns out there's a woman living there, a Jesus follower named Tabitha. Now, this is the only time she's mentioned in Scripture. And all we know about her is that she had a reputation for doing good and helping the poor. Now, the next verses will tell us that the primary way she did that was by sewing clothes for needy people and for widows in particular. So Tabitha was not what we would call a mover and a shaker. She was an ordinary woman with a talent for sewing who served the lowliest people in society. But, but look what happens next. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upper, upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, please, come at once. So when this humble seamstress passed away, the community was so grief-stricken, so bereft, that they couldn't bear the thought of living without her. So they dispatched a couple of messengers to the town of Lydda, 10 miles away, and begged Peter to come back with them. Now, whether they sent for Peter before or after she died, we can't really tell. But, but either way, this is a remarkable outpouring of love and affection and action for a relatively insignificant person. Uh, we're told that Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with him. <laughs> Here's another remarkable thing. Peter is it is the senior leader of the church at that point, arguably the most important man in the church. And according to previous verses, his ministry back in Lydda is flourishing. But when he hears the distress of these disciples, sounds like he listened with care, by the way, he immediately leaves the work in Lydda and hurries to the town of Joppa. On behalf of a woman he's never heard of before, who may, who may have died already. Now, are you seeing the butterfly effect at work here? Jesus' example of servanthood back in that upper room seems to have made an impression on Peter. So now he's doing for others what Jesus had done for him, serving in love. And don't miss the image of these women, these widows, through their tears, showing off the clothes that Tabitha had made for them. I mean, who needs Ralph Lauren or, or Vera Wang? We're talking designed by Tabitha here. And what I love about Tabitha's work is that it wasn't just good, helping the poor. It was beautiful. These widows were proud of the clothes Tabitha had made for them. 
She'd crafted them with skill and love and bestowed on them dignity and worth. It is such a poignant scene. But, but look what happens next. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. Now, if you're a Bible reader, this might sound familiar. Doesn't it remind you of the time Jesus raised Jairus' daughter? How, how he sent the people out of the room and said to her in Aramaic, Talitha kum, little girl, arise? Well, well, except for one letter's difference in Aramaic, that's exactly what Peter says to this woman. Tabitha kum, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and he presented her to them alive. Just like Jesus did with that little girl. Luke is calling our attention to the fact that Peter and the disciples are doing exactly what Jesus taught them to. They're serving in love. They're doing good, and they're doing it beautifully with tenderness. And look what happens as a result. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. Talk about the butterfly effect. A peasant woman who sews clothes for the needy passes away. Next thing you know, the head of the church rushes to her side and raises her from the dead, which sets off a revival in the city so significant that Peter decides to stay and set up shop for a while. And 2,000 years later, we're still telling Tabitha's story, still being inspired by it. That's why I love this, this story. It illustrates so beautifully how small, seemingly insignificant events can have a ripple effect that cause much larger and more significant things to happen. Tabitha is a butterfly, if ever there was one. Quiet and fragile, but beautiful to behold and good for the garden. I picture her going from house to house in Joppa, like, like a butterfly flitting from flower to flower, spreading the pollen of the kingdom everywhere she lands. Tabitha was such a force for good in her community that the whole town mourned when she was gone. Uh, 10 or 15 years ago, an unsettling question made its way through the church world. Uh, the question went something like this. If your church suddenly left town, would the community miss you? Now, you can see what the question was getting at. Is your church making such a positive contribution to the community that it would feel like a loss to the town if, if, if you left? Well, as, as we pastors asked ourselves that question of Grace Chapel a dozen or so years ago, we had the uncomfortable sense that if Grace Chapel left town, 
The only thing Lexington would miss about us would be the traffic jams on Sunday morning. And I don't think that's the kind of impact that Jesus was hoping for. But that question lit a fire under us. And we began those dozen years or so ago to, to begin looking for ways to bless our neighbors, to be more involved in our communities. We began preaching and teaching about, about neighboring, about missional living, and finding your go, if, if you remember that expression. Uh, we started things like spring serve and, and harvest festivals. We began building relationships with other churches across the city so that we could serve Greater Boston together. Slowly, we began making progress and becoming more engaged with our, our local communities. Well, then COVID came along and literally kicked us out of our buildings and into the community. To make a long story short, two years later, every one of our campuses has a community engagement team and at least one community agency that they partner with. For example, Wilmington works with Fostering Hope and the local DCF to provide support for foster families. Watertown works with the local Boys and Girls Club. In Foxborough, it's the, the local YMCA. In East Lexington, it's Arlington Eats, the, the local food bank. Lexington partners with LexRap, the, the Refugee Assistance Program. And our strategic partner church up in Amherst, New Hampshire, worked with the New Hampshire, New Hampshire branch of the National Alliance on Mental Health this past Christmas. Grace Chapel comes along these agencies and, and all our partners to provide volunteers and publicity and encouragement and financial support. Listen to how some of these agencies have described the impact of Grace Chapel's service to the community. Thank you so much for your team's help yesterday. It's amazing that you would take a precious Saturday resting time to help foster families and our office. Within four hours, the team transformed our foster care closet from chaos to beautifully organized. They put together the beautiful picnic table that visiting families can enjoy. And they helped us to hang notice boards that can make communication so much easier. Thank you for your kindness and gracious help. Here's one from LexRap. This holiday season, Grace Chapel went above and beyond. They raised enough money to give 40 refugee children $100 gift cards. And Grace took the names and ages of every child and got appropriate presents for each child. Our cars were filled with gifts for the kids. And here's one from an Arlington Eats board member. Thank you to Grace Chapel for your generous partnership financially, as well as through East Lexington's recent food and cards drive. Together, we can be neighbors serving neighbors. Uh, the children at East Lexington actually got in on this one and, and made encouragement cards for some of the elderly folks served by that food bank. And they illustrated those cards with butterflies, no less. I love when that happens. And how about this? Uh, pastor Stephen, our campus pastor in Watertown, recently received the town's Unity Award for service to the community. In the words of one board member, the work that he and his congregation have done have made Watertown a stronger and kinder community.
Friends, that's, that's the butterfly effect in action. Simple acts of service and kindness that have a ripple effect, blessing the lives of many people and entire communities. And, and we haven't even talked yet about, about our work with, uh, with Afghan refugees and, and with vaccination programs for, for immigrants and all of our regional and global partners. If you want to hear more stories like that, I encourage you to, to read through our annual report. Uh, you can find it online at grace.org 2022 annual meeting. It's beautifully done, full of stories and pictures and numbers that will fill you with hope and make you proud of your church. I'm happy to say and grateful to say that I have no doubt that if Grace Chapel or any of our campuses were to shut down today, we would be missed by our communities. And personally, I am humbled and blessed by the way so many of you have so capably and generously given of your time and your talent and your treasure to serve our neighbors in love. Who knows how many doors and hearts will be opened to the gospel by all these acts of service? Who knows what stories we'll hear in the years to come from people whose lives were blessed by this hurricane of love? Mother Teresa, who, who understood the butterfly effect better than anyone, used to talk about doing small things with great love. She didn't just talk about it, she did it. And the world became a better and more beautiful place as a result. So here's our big idea for the week. When we serve others in love, we change the world for good. It's a bold statement, but I, I think we've demonstrated it here today. When we serve others in love, we change the world for good. It's true of us individually, and it's true of all of us corporately. And it begins with each of us finding and using our gifts, passions, and story to bless the world around us. Now, like I said, we'll, we'll talk more about this in the fall, but in the meantime, you don't have to wait. There are all kinds of ways to serve this summer. Kids Week will be happening on a few of our campuses you could serve as a small group leader or at the check-in table or doing childcare, all kinds of ways. You could jump into one of our four-week neighboring groups that are happening this summer, either as a participant or even as a leader. You could serve on a Sunday morning or two or three this summer in Kids Town or on the welcome team or the tech team. If you have any interest at all in discovering your gifts and finding places to serve, just reach out to any of us on staff or visit grace.org serve. If a butterfly flapping its wings in Brazil can set off a tornado in Texas, if washing a few smelly feet can unleash the power of the Holy Spirit into the world, if a seamstress making clothes for the needy can spark revival in a city, that who knows what might happen when you and I use our gifts, passion, and story to serve others 
in love. You know what image came to my mind as I was wrapping up this message? As I thought about hundreds and even thousands of Grace Chapel people emptying out of our homes and campuses when the service is over, I imagined hundreds and thousands of butterflies being released over our city, bringing beauty and goodness to all the people and places we visit in the course of a week. Friends, when we serve others in love, we change the world for good. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord, for these two beautiful stories we've considered today. The Son of God washing the feet of his friends and a humble woman sewing clothes for the needy. May we be inspired by these small deeds done with great love to go out and serve others in love this week. And we thank you, Lord, for the impact we've been able to have on our communities and city and our world this past year. By your grace, may we continue to be a force for goodness and beauty in a world that desperately needs both. And may we do it in a way that points people to our good and beautiful Savior, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.